hello and welcome to another episode of Product Plus, the podcast where we bring you authentic, in-depth talks with product managers, founders, and business experts across Asia Pacific. I'm your host, Ben Byrne, and our mission here is simple but impactful, to empower and inspire the next generation of product leaders with real stories and actionable insights. If you're passionate about product management, strategy, and business growth, you're in the right place. So let's dive in. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Product Plus podcast. Today, I'm joined by Priya Vase and Alex Robertson from The Onset. The Onset is an Australian recruitment agency. Uh, they're focused on connecting talent to innovative businesses across product, engineering, digital, cloud, and data. Uh, Priya is the practice lead, focusing on product design and growth. She was a coach at Folklore Ventures, and she's also a community leader in the product space. And she spent many, many years in the field across Singapore, California, and Australia. Alex is a senior product consultant, having trained officially in sports psychology. We'll get into that. (laughs) Alex has most recently spent the last five years uh, in recruitment across the education and product sector. Uh, Priya, Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ben. Glad to be here. Great. Now, Priya, you're journey into product. Talk to me about that because it sounds like you've been all over the world. You've kind of done a few things. Like how did you get into recruitment and you know what's what's your story? Yeah. Uh, well I'll go to a whole host bank, but I think the parts that are relevant, definitely starting from my career in consulting, it was a really great way to get exposure across loads of different businesses. And mm. at that stage, looking at lots of business challenges, but I personally realized a lot of those challenges were very people focused and I wanted to dig into more of what that actually meant and what was actually happening. And so I actually went into executive recruitment um, over in San Francisco and I am American. And yeah. <laughs> I think reality was it kind of gave me a chance to pull back the curtain and see how people were making decisions around hiring, around how they retain people, who's a good culture fit. Um, and then coming over to Australia, it really gave me the chance to even go that little bit deeper. So beyond just hiring the executive leaders, but actually building out functions across product design, engineering, and yeah, I haven't had yeah. much stuff since. It must have been a really interesting experience working with kind of like the the highest level of leaders, um, talking about, you know, C-level and executives. Um how do you find it's kind of different now between, you know, talking to those senior leaders and how they view entering a business versus someone a little bit more junior? Yeah. Uh, look, there's the reality is changing a job, no matter how much experience you have, it's quite a big decision, right? So I think there's some of that common theme from a humanity perspective. Mm. Do you think some of the questions you ask might be slightly more nuanced as you get into a more senior role? You've just been around the block and you kind of you have some war wounds and scars that maybe you want to avoid. And ideally, as a recruiter, that's what I love to help people with is maybe help you avoid some of those battle wounds along the way. Mm. Um, or at least point them out and say, here's some great learning experiences ahead. One of the biggest things I notice is as a junior or mid-level person coming into the workforce, one of the things I often look at is what your priorities are coming into the org. It is often going to be how am I building in my career? So it is about your mentors. It is about the compensation. It's about, you know, what kind of works for that life stage. A lot of times at the more exec level, especially for board and C-suite, you have a lot of the experience. You probably have some element of your brand in place, but it is building the next thing. And so 
I think no matter what scale of organization you're actually joining as an exec, you are more focused on scaling. Yeah. And, uh, you know, something funny happened the other day. Me and my wife were looking at old resumes that we've had over the years and things like that. And, uh, you know, one of the first resumes comes up and this was at the age of 15, you know, but going for a job at a, a burger joint. I love it. And uh, I still remember at the top of the resume, it was kind of practice in Australia to put, you know, what's your career objective? Like, what do you want to achieve? And it, uh, they're, they're like the, the tackiest, most cliche kind of things you can imagine. Like, I want to be an effective contributor to an innovative team. Uh, uh, <laughs> last words. Flipping burgers. Uh, yeah. so, uh, I think maybe it sounds like when you're earlier on in your career, you maybe don't know necessarily what you're looking for, right? Whereas the, the kind of more senior executives, like you say, they've kind of been through it a few times. They're a little bit clearer on their values. They're a little bit clearer on, you know, what they like and don't like. Yeah. So what's maybe the best way for, for someone either entering the workforce or looking mm -hmm. for the next thing to get clarity around what they want? Yeah. Look, I would say it does really start with, right, the more you know yourself, and this is really important as a product manager, right, the more self-awareness you have, the better. But I think as you're going through a product search, we often see that as people continue to have more conversations, they get more clarity. The more introspection you do at the beginning to say, this is what I value, these are my priorities, that's going to serve you well in having really honest conversations with people as you go through interview processes. There's so many ways to slice and dice opportunities. <laughs> and so if you want people to be able to say, oh, this is Ben and he's looking for X, Y, and Z, it's really helpful for you to be able to give them that top track to say, yep, Ben's looking for X type of business. He wants, you know, 50 to 200 people. He wants healthcare. He wants sustainability. He wants e-commerce. Whatever kind of the important values are to you in that side. Mm -hmm. But then there may be other kind of, I guess, day-to-day -day practicalities where you say, I really care about how many engineers I'm working with. I care about what my design function looks like. I care about working really closely with the go-to-market team. And so there's mm -hmm. some of those nuances that, only you know how your working style needs to look like. Um, we often talk about being in person versus being remote today. Those are really important considerations that only you can answer. And so right. we say, start with your idea, be open to the fact that that may change and evolve as you have conversations, but figure out what your top three to five priorities are. And I would say almost stack rank what those look like and then begin having conversations. Yeah. Yeah, have a really clear vision about what in, an enjoyable workspace looks mm -hmm. like and how you can kind of, because, you know, product can be a, a real grind sometimes, right? Um, especially when you're working to a lot of tough deadlines or trying to deliver complex kind of uh, features. So mm -hmm. I, I can imagine having your values really clear up front and going like, here's the stuff I'm going to focus on. Here's what matters to me and here's what doesn't. And I can like get by if that doesn't get satisfied. Exactly. And even when you get into, you know, six months down the road and you're going through a really tough sprint, you're kind of going towards the end. It is nice to have that little piece of paper, vision board, <laughs> et cetera, Trello, whatever it is you write yours on. <laughs> yeah. back and say, why am I here? Why did I make this choice? Oh yeah. These things, they're still true. It mm. still makes sense. Yeah. For reflection. Right. And, and Alex, I guess, what did your vision board look like going from sports psychology into recruitment? That's an interesting transition. Yeah, my, my journey to recruitment is maybe slightly less glamorous than three years. <laughs> so maybe even like five years ago, I was still working in a bar and um, 
I, I love that compared to, you know, admin jobs. It's kind of similar motivation to getting into recruitment, which is the people focused. I loved sport, but I wanted to focus on the people side of it. So I was looking at doing sports psychology um, and probably the best thing that happened to me and helped me to get into recruitment was just the counseling psychology focus that we had. Mm. You know, we were taught how to interview people really properly. Like, like better than I do now. <laughs> it was just, and and similar to what Priya said, you really have to start to understand people's motivations, what really is important to them in their sporting career. And there was just so many things that just came really natural to me when I moved into recruitment. Um, I started recruitment in Manchester, started in this really, really niche company that did like uh, digital learning, but we had some product roles and I just found them really, really interesting. And just because the, the impact that product people could have in an organization, which, which you don't really know unless you sort of know about products and, and what that means. So as soon as I had that and I started talking to the onset and this opportunity came up, I just, I knew it's where I wanted to go. You just, you're helping people, but you're also hiring people that are having such a big impact within a company, which is, which is great. Yeah. And I guess it's great that the onset, the onset saw that potential in you, um, you know, and the alignments because yeah, like you say, at the end of the day, it's people, right? It's people mm. and it's also performance, mm. right? Because sports psychology is like what, like 50% performance. Um, yeah. And then uh, it's the same thing, you know, in Korea, people are often looking for the next step up. They're looking for, you know, different mindsets they can apply. Yeah. What do you guys think is kind of the most important mindset then to take into um, the job hunt? Oh, good question. Um, I think at the moment, um, you know, on the day of recording, like patience is really important. Um, it is pretty sort of competitive at the moment so um just understanding that and having the sort of resilience and the, the patience and the, the detail that you have to put into applications to make yourself stand out at the moment it is really really important mm -hmm. like you, you might see on some linkedin job adverts that there are 200 other product managers that have applied like why are you going to stand out and that's really important we'll go into this a little bit later i'm sure but having that sort of understanding is okay, let's take a deep breath. Let's really, really look at this job advert. What are they trying to solve? What are they looking for? What have I done? And just sort of try and mirror that as much as you can. And then to not be too disheartened when it doesn't work out because there are kind of a lot of product people looking at the moment, unfortunately. Yeah. And, you know, as you would know, we discussed, mm. uh, I just recently went through that process myself and it was yeah. a good two or three month kind of job yeah. hunt. Uh, one of the things I found really challenging was just, yeah, the sheer volume of applications you need to get out and mm. uh, the mindset that it takes to kind of see some rejections coming in, see some opportunities coming in. And, uh, you know, even though interview processes can take some time and several yeah. rounds and, and all of that, uh, I think like resilience and a bit of grit through that is really yeah. important. And just knowing that there is an end to it and there is another side like once yeah. you get there. Um, it won't last forever. That's an important thing yeah. to remember. Um, I going to say. I think yeah. that idea of just perseverance, mm -hmm. it, it kind of goes very hand in hand with kind of that sports performance is that not every single one is a win, but yeah. it does tend to be number of reps at this stage. Like it is almost like training um, where you kind of are continually iterating and 
you're putting more applications out, but it's that perseverance, like you said, when you're getting rejections, because I know we talk to people where you're just like, I'm just not seeing anything back. And it's really frustrating. It's really challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, we always joke, you know, you just need one. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need them all to come back or maybe you do, but you only need to accept one. Pretty but well. it does take that perspective to say, it's often not personal. It doesn't mean that you're not a great product person. It doesn't mean you're not a great employee because you're not getting through. Um, that's the kind of perspective and mindset that I also think is important. Yeah, and th- these roles out there at the moment are extremely competitive because there's obviously a flood of talent on the marketplace with mm-hmm. a lot of companies having hiring freezes, making redundancies. Um, yeah. And then, of course, the, the volume of jobs has, you know, I'd, in some cases stayed the same or in other cases decreased. So the mm-hmm. supply and demand is just out of whack at the moment. Yeah. Um, there was one role that I was looking at. It was a product manager role at Google. And yeah, when I went in for the application, this was three days after it was posted, there was 700 applicants. Wow. And when you're looking at those sort of stats, like Alex, you mentioned, how do you stand out? Like what's, what can you do to stand out when you're also facing the challenge of just having to apply in volume to. Yeah. Uh, we use the sport analogy, pre-assess, number of reps, like quality of reps is also really important, like it is in sport. So kind of like I said, really take a step back, try and work out what product it is you'd be working on. Like, is it a brand new product? Are they trying to launch something new? Go through mm-hmm. your experience and sort of what have you launched? Is, is it a B2B product? Is it B2, something as simple as that? Like not everybody thinks to put that in your CV because sometimes they just don't think about it. Um really trying to mirror exactly what the product is, what industry is going to be, who's the customer. And so how are you going to add value to what they're trying to do? And that's, it it is a challenge. I try to say to people, I would rather, if somebody's out of, out of work at the moment, I'd rather somebody do two or three really good specific applications a day, rather than like between five and 10 with the same CV, because Although that maybe seems like more reps, you probably get a better percentage response if you put the effort in and said, okay, you're trying to solve this problem. This is what I've done that's really, really similar. Mm. Form, application form. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to always do leg day. Um, yeah, exactly. And yeah. yeah, sometimes it is painful. You know, sometimes leg day sucks, but yeah, if you if you put in the effort and, and give it the quality and time it needs, things do eventually work out. That's been exactly. my experience too, yeah. Hmm. So, you know, something that often helps people going through a struggle or, you know, facing a challenge is, of course, having a community they can resonate that challenge with mm-hmm. uh, or the experience with. Um, are there communities out there today for people on the job hunt where they can kind of share experiences or um, kind of at least be there for each other and support and provide encouragement? I'm not sure specifically in terms of job hunt. I would say probably more broader product focused communities. And I think within that, like I have seen in Slack channels where it's specific, like they'll have a specific channel that's Mm -hmm. job focused. Mm. And some people focus on interviewing techniques or, you know, they might have subsets within a product group for people focusing on a particular area, which I tend to think is quite beneficial because you might have quite a healthy ecosystem that hopefully someone is also hiring Mm. (laughs) um, and sees that perspective or can, you know, offer advice along the way. But I'd say I probably only know more broad product communities. It's not a bad idea. I mean, I think the community aspect, it is so nice 
just be able to go to someone and say, gosh, I've applied to the same things. How's yours going? Oh yeah, it's tough for me too. Okay, great. Like we're in this together. Mm. And I guess that's almost like the sense of working with an organization like the onset where you've got someone that's kind of vouching for you, supporting you through that process. Um, but I'm also kind of interested to dive more into the, the community aspect mm. like for product people, be them very early in the career or a few years in, what's the role of community there? Like how can it benefit them? You know, what should they be looking for? Should they be contributing or just kind of going to seek knowledge? What's the, what's the best approach there? Yeah, uh, I think probably a bit of both in terms of communicate, um, you know, contributing and see seeking knowledge is really important. Even just, you know, you, you find someone that is talking on a panel and that really resonates. You're just connecting with them on LinkedIn. So say, hey, I, I absolutely love this. This really resonated for me. Just building your network that way is really, really important. I, I have a really nice story about somebody that came to one of our events. Um, it, did, it didn't happen through this, but she was actually volunteering at the care home. She mm. realized they were really sort of struggling with, with, you know, passing the time. They didn't have any sort of games. She actually built some games herself, interviewed about a hundred different customers and sort of how, like, you know, what would you want to see in games and built this product herself. And then through one of the communities, it might not even been product related. She got um, recommended to work for this startup just because she'd done this off her own back. So it just wow. shows that it can come it can come out of absolutely nowhere. If she hadn't have done that, if she hadn't even gone to this meetup, if it wasn't product related, she wouldn't she wouldn't have had her first product role. So it's really hard to advise, but um, just just sort of showing up, yeah, asking questions if there is something you want to know, but expanding your network and connecting to the most relevant people is really important. Yeah, so it's all, it's I suppose to some degree about exposure too. Exactly. And, and yeah. yeah, I mean that that then kind of ties back into how do you get exposure? How do you stand out among the rest? Yeah. Do you, do you feel like personal brand is a really important thing to to build out, or is that just like tick the box, get it done? Like I, my perspective is, it's never going to hurt you to have mm -hmm. a really strong personal brand. Is it a must-have in getting your next role? I actually see that from an exact perspective, and as you build up in your career, it probably becomes more important mm -hmm. as you look for thought leaders or you look for developing what kind of that next level you know, inspiring person you want to work with is. Um, mm. But probably as you're beginning your career, I think if you've got that as a natural kind of focus and you're really talented in, and you enjoy putting yourself out there, absolutely, like don't not do it. Mm. But in comparison, I think we'll get to kind of the skills to focus on as you're developing. It's probably not my number one mm. focus area. That being said, I guess if I can comment on the community side, that can be both in person but i also think it can be virtual and that's maybe where the brand plays more of a factor is one of the biggest things as you're entering your career we used to call it networking community building the whole idea is how are you building you know your village around you right and so mm. i think about a lot as okay having a little one it's that idea that people who are alongside you, so your peers, then you've got kind of your, we used to call them pacers. You've got them, people who are ahead of you that you're looking ahead at and saying, what have you done? What have I seen you do well at? How can I keep up with you and kind of mirror that? And you've got people who are behind you that you're kind of beginning to mentor. And that might be, right, you're starting your career. That might be grads, right? It might be high school students. Like you kind of are thinking about that entire ecosystem. And that's, that may not all happen every day or every week, right? That takes a lot of time. But I think if you say, okay, this is a priority that I want to be building out my community, 
And I'm going to prioritize that an hour a week or, you know, depending on what's happening in your world. And you say, these are the activities I want to say, maybe I do want to attend a meetup in person. At that meetup, I want to make sure I have X number of conversations on the back of that. One of the most important things I always say is follow up, right? Like make sure that you do simple as dropping them a note on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Maybe it is Mm -hmm. arranging a follow-up coffee on LinkedIn. That's where the brand plays a factor is, you know, people want to know who they're responding to and who they're engaging with. So you do Mm -hmm. need to have a level of presence that says, I'm someone that you should connect with. And I am really eager to learn and develop and grow. I think there's a lot of amazing people in not just the product community, but the broader tech community that really want to develop this next generation, mm-hmm. but they want to develop people who want to be developed. So I yeah. think that's one of the comments I say is that make sure that it's worth people's time, right? Mm-hmm. Do unto others as you would want them to do. If you're going to spend the time to invest in somebody, how would you want them to respond? And then I'd adjust mm-hmm. that approach. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I guess that kind of comes back to the give and take. It's like if you're mm-hmm. offering out value, kind of what, what value you're expecting in return. And yeah. uh, and then the whole community aspect of like you've got to be an active contributor if you want to pull the value back out too. Yeah. Um, how can people kind of go about getting more involved in communities? Is it jump on Meetup? Are there established communities in Australia they should be looking to for product space? Um, you know, what do you guys feel like kind of some good resources? Yeah, I know we've talked about some of the different programs. I know Ben and I we've chatted about Folklore in particular. They did a really lovely product chapter, which is really about kind of that emerging talent. There are dedicated programs between Startmate, Brainmates, um, Product Rocket. Like, there's a lot of different communities and discussions that um, maybe we can link to or kind of make sure that we've got as data points for people to plug into. The level of commitment, I think, has to match your own level of interest. So there's dedicated programs that you do an application for, and it is really about think spending a deep amount of time in investing yourself or there's I think like product rocket has a one hour almost like a lunch and learn Mm -hmm. join you've got particular topics of discussion I think that's a really important thing around contribution is when you're early in your career you may say what have I got to contribute like how much how much can I really add discussions are valuable for everyone right like we all Mm -hmm. benefit from different points of view and perspective um so that's yeah Good. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because there's two people we've already had on the podcast. We've had yeah. Holly Hickman, who mm-hmm. was, you know, kind of early on in the product career, but also went through the folklore thing. And Mandar as well, Mandar Kalika. <laughs> um, and of course, he's kind of further, he's deeper into it with Product <laughs> Rocket. So there's, um, I think there's a lot of people who are very generous with their time. Mm. And, um, and so, you know, jumping into a community or reaching out to fellow product people can be a little bit daunting, but you've got to remember in the back of your mind, most people actually are totally happy to share their experience, their expertise, ideas to help you kind of progress your career too. Yeah. Um, So I guess from my perspective, one thing is like, never be afraid to ask. Yeah. As long as you do it in a nice way. Exactly. And that's it. I think be okay with people saying no or I don't have the time right now because that's also totally normal and often not personal, right? Is that sometimes people genuinely just don't have the time and, and that's okay. I think that's kind of that approach perspective is you can always ask, be okay with a no, we're not right now, we're maybe in a couple months time. Those are mm. all totally acceptable answers. Um, there's lots of other people to speak to as well and you kind of never know if things do come full circle. Yeah. 
Now, when I started applying for roles uh, recently, one of the things in my in the back of my mind was, yeah, like quality reps, right? That's one aspect. But the other side was like volume of reps too. <laughs> what sort of role do you think these automated tools play in for applicants today? Things like AI resume generators, um, you know, automatic cover letter customization, that sort of thing. Are you seeing it? pop up a lot and should people be looking at it yeah good question um I, I, luckily i'm not seeing it as much as i as i thought i would um i think they are i think they're quite easy to tell when somebody's done it and i think that just unless you really you can use it as a skeleton and things like that don't get me wrong but unless you really do edit it i think it, it, that's just not a quality breath i think if you if you risk sending it to somebody and You've not edited it really, really, and really personalized it. And they know they just can't. I just think that leaves a bit of a bad taste in people's mouths. So if you really are struggling and you really want to sort of get a bulk of content, then, it, then it, it, I would advise to use it as a, as a starting point. But please, please, please just end it before sending it to hire. <laughs> so for ideation rather than yeah. final deliverable. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Okay. I know what you think. Yeah, very much so. I, I mean, yeah. personalization is still, when you talk about what's going to make you stand out, we can tell, right? Like mm. We can tell if it's been automated. Yes, it's getting better. But also then there's something to be said for just kind of the integrity of the work, right? Where mm. if someone pulls up, like if I'm having a conversation, they're like, okay, I'm going to refer to what you sent through. And then you're like, well, actually, I don't remember writing that because didn't yeah. <laughs> great feeling either that's not a very good start of a conversation or a relationship that you do want to be based on trust and kind of a level of motivation mm. yeah and, and trust is so critical right because mm -hmm. businesses are taking risks when they're hiring employees are taking risks when they're joining um how do you establish trust quickly and yeah i think starting off on the right foot with like more authenticity has to be yeah. kind of the foundation right absolutely so on that vein, how much personality should people bring to like early stage interviews in the product space versus how much should they just be focused on like hard skills and that sort of thing? I think it's, it's hard to say, you know, give a percentage, but you do need to do a bit of both. Like in interviews, hard skills are, are really important. Um, you know, you, you want to sort of tick as many boxes as, as you can in terms of hard skills, but also chemistry is, especially in product, chemistry is really important. So I, I do urge everybody to sort of try and relax and just get a bit of their personality out. Maybe just if you can, depending on the hiring manager, spend the first couple of minutes just talking about their weekend, talking about their morning, just if, if it goes straight in, you sort of, it's hard to build that rapport initially. And I think, Product is, is quite subjective. So I think getting your personality and trying to build rapport as much as possible is, is really important initially. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We always say like interviewing is a two-way conversation. Yeah. So bringing your whole self to every conversation is really important um, because product is, I haven't done kind of across the functions in the past, Part of the reason I love product is because it is so nuanced and it is so specific. But that means that when you're having a conversation to hire product, it makes it really tricky. Yes. Mm. And so that's where spending time 
making sure you know what you are bringing from a level of skill set. So we always talk about how data-driven, like being data-driven, we talk about it a lot. It maybe is on the verge of being an overused phrase, <laughs> but it's so real. Like just know the data points that you've done, right? What have you done? What have you delivered? Because that should be woven into the conversation. Like mm. you want people to walk away from a chat saying, wow, Alex has done so much in his career and he seems like a great person to work with. Yeah. Um, that's the idea I would say is it is a blend, a blend and a balance between the two, but that's that's the role of the yeah. manager. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to have that blend. And yeah. I think as you get to later conversations, we often say, oh, that's when you have more pointy conversations. But if there's things that are really important to you, I don't want you to wait for conversations to have a pointy conversation either, right? Like that's also part of your job is how do you have tricky conversations? And there is a level of EQ and awareness to how you phrase things that I think is not shy away from. Um, but yeah. But yeah, yeah. And right. If you do that well, you're going to have to do that as a product manager anyway. So if you distill sort of that sort of confidence in, in that hiring manager really early on, then you kind of get a, Sort of certain level of respect already so i think that's a really good point yeah yeah mm -hmm. and I, I guess like there's a real similarity between recruitment and product as well in that space it's all about stakeholder management and influence and building relationships um mm -hmm. so critical to both roles mm -hmm. i mean what what other skills do you find a kind of like an absolute must have for a product person today because it is such a broad role generally, and you're juggling a lot of different priorities. What do you think is kind of the most in-demand skill for a product manager? Yeah, um, I've been thinking about this and I've got a few examples, but it, again, it does kind of depend on, on that company and what product means to them and what, what they're looking to do. So the sort of three biggest that I, I would see are like a commercial understanding. I think that's quite important. Can you sort of justify financially what this work is going to bring to the company or have a vague idea mm. um, technical understanding don't necessarily need it to have to be able to code but how how, how is this piece of software going to work how, how can we improve it and having that ability to talk to engineers and that is that really important um, on, the, on the technical understanding how mm. important do you think it is to have like actual certifications and qualifications to put alongside that versus experiences because yeah. that's kind of a, a toss-up for a lot of people when they're job hunting do i spend a lot of time acquiring new skills yeah good good and so, oh, I don't, you might want to speak to this one but it's not i wouldn't say it's, it's absolutely essential but again it probably can't hurt like if you do have the time yeah. i don't see why not if that's something that is maybe lacking from your product skill set and if you think it depends on the type of roles you're going for right? yeah. that goes back to the priorities and what you value if you're going for a technical product role, I'm going to need you to have some technical skills. Yeah. <laughs> I know that sounds silly, but yeah. I do feel like sometimes I've got to explain that where it's, it is about what you're focusing. If you're going for a role that is more in the go-to-market space or it's more on the B2C side, it's probably going to be farther down my list of priorities, right? Mm -hmm. Every hiring manager, every client's going mm -hmm. to come us with a certain list of must-haves and nice-to-haves. Mm -hmm. If it's in the must-have, then I am going to be screening for people and I'm going to have to say, hey, look, they need this um, in this role. Mm. If you're someone that's not ever had a technical background, whether it's from a career perspective, education perspective, and you are looking to round that out, 
I do sometimes see people saying, oh, you know, it does give me some of the credibility with my tech teams. Again, as you kind of progress in your career, mm -hmm. so I say, oh, it's, it's less important as you get more experience. Mm -hmm. But in some ways, it also does hold that credibility. If you say, actually, I already had a 10-year career, and then I went and decided to get a certification because I really wanted to hold that value. Great. It, it really is, I say, it's quite personal. Yeah. But those are the considerations that I'd ask myself is, What's the job I'm looking for? What skill sets do I already have? And if I don't get it from a course, am I getting it from my day-to-day -day job? Mm, yeah. Okay. So it sounds like maybe for the more technical kind of product manager roles, having something verifiable that's like a certification is more critical. Whereas if you're on kind of the more business side of product management, then you can kind of get away with more experience-based skill sets. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's so many different roles out there for product managers, right? The, the breadth is just, it's so broad. Um, what, how do people go about filtering that down when they're hunting? Cause that's one of the challenges I saw. They're all called product manager, right? Um, or head of product or whatever role you're going for, but some you, you read through it and you're like extremely technical. Is there a way to filter out and kind of narrow the, the search criteria? Yeah. Um, the answer is probably probably no unfortunately <laughs> you can have a fair idea again if you do the research maybe try and find out but that's sort of something that i struggled with at the start you know there could be a job description which i know from speaking to the hiring manager they need somebody that has coded in the past and then someone that's more on the go-to-market side as well with a different hiring manager and the responsibilities are actually kind of the same um I don't know if you have advice on that, but it, it is tricky. And that's where that patience and resilience comes into it, because sometimes it is quite hard to, to filter out. I mean, this is where I go through the back to my, I guess, more objective criteria when you're job hunting mm. is if it's size a company or sector, those are the kind of more objective filtering options. Mm. Like I'm looking at anything titled product manager. I think we've all seen things titled <laughs> product manager that are not product manager jobs. <laughs> That does help if you say, okay, I want to have these term alerts for these companies, these areas, right? LinkedIn, I think you can see, has different ways that you can filter the notifications. Um, yeah. That's one element. I mean, searching within LinkedIn, that's probably the only thing I'd recommend doing it that you're not mm -hmm. missing roles, because that's the other thing, right? Like, I'll just look through everything and I take hundreds of jobs later, here <laughs> I am. Um, that's probably the best suggestion I have. If you've got that priority where you say, okay, this is what I'd like to look for, that's how I, I'd measure. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think people on the job hunt right now should be, if they've, let's say they've been searching for a while, there are a hundred applications deep and they still haven't found the right fit. Is that the right point to enact the persistence or is it time to broaden the scope? <sighs> well, that's a difficult question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, do you pivot or do you plow? <laughs> I, I, I still always say to people to, to carry on because you never know, like if you, if you, if you pivot the right role, might, might it wasn't get advertised tomorrow. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> still, you do still have to keep going, but you could try different things like leveraging your network. You know, we're, we're at a weird time of year in November as well as, as companies are starting to put their foot off the gas with hiring. So I don't know, let's say you're in a, in an e-commerce company reach out to the heads of products at five different e-commerce companies. So, you know, you're front of mind for when they are hiring. So yeah, job applications can get 
really exhausting, but try and think of other ways that you can get in front of the right people, maybe. Yeah, because when you say pivot, are you going to pivot to a new career? Like, is that? Yeah, I, I guess maybe not that dramatic, but yeah. pivot to, you know, let's say being looking for a product manager role, pivoting into product ownership or product yeah. leadership or something else. Yeah. Um, you know, do you do you kind of say, well, look, my my skill set and my experience is maybe not, you know, maybe I'm trying to get into product management. It's not conducive to that. And I'm just yeah. not getting success. You know, do I kind of broaden that or do I even look outside of product to something that's like mm -hmm. parallel? And that's like, cause I, I still think we're getting on it's a bit subjective, right? It is about you and kind of where you're at in your career. If you are breaking into product and you've done a hundred product manager applications, I don't think it's a bad idea to expand, like you said, to product owners because stepping with, stone. Yeah, with the caveat that right, there is that pathway in that business to go from product owner to product manager mm -hmm. because. Mm -hmm. Calls things we can get to the semantics of roles another time, but it, it's something that if you're not getting success because you're competing with people who, for example, maybe they've got five years of product management experience and you've got less than one, that may just be odds that are not going to work in your favor. Yeah, at time. if you say, Look, you know what, I've got the runway, I can wait another six months, let's just kind of keep going, absolutely. But if you say, it is that reps and conversation. If you're not getting interviews, I think that's probably a really important distinction. If you're not having conversations, you should open up the pipeline because mm -hmm. having conversations, A, makes the process feel a little bit better, but mm -hmm. B, it also gives you that opportunity to really refine your own pitch to hopefully get to the next stage. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And then I suppose, like, kind of interested to get a recruiter perspective here. So, uh, where does culture and diversity fit into it today? I know it's a big focus for a lot of organizations, but in the product space, it's been really dominated by males. So like, <laughs> is that changing? Is it getting better? How do we ensure this kind of uh, more equality in, in the product space? Yeah, I think more people are definitely sort of considering it, which is, which is fantastic. Um, I, I, I think people are aware of it, aren't they? And, um, they are looking to, you know, diverse, diversify the people, like people that we share basically with them. Um, we, we took part in something called Project F, which is all about how, how do you sort of create gender diversity in, in tech in general and the role that we can play. So, you know, if there's a panel interview, try and make sure that panel's as diverse as possible. So you're not sort of just, just attracting a certain demographic yourself. So, um, I think it's, it's good to see that people are, are definitely taking it on board. Yeah. So, okay, so like, yeah. No, sorry, go ahead, Freya. No, I was going to say, it's something I've been putting passion for for a long time because, again, Silicon Valley has been having this conversation for a very long time. Mm. And I think especially at the exec and board level, you do tend to see, you join organizations where there's people that look like you, right? So I think having it from both sides is a really important conversation that we have and we have a really unique opportunity to say mm -hmm. we want you to have a level of diversity in your hiring but also we need to think about what is the current diversity of the organization mm -hmm. look like and who is involved in the interviews in the panel discussions um who's who's kind of sharing what your company is about and what the vision is on a day-to-day -day basis um it is something obviously from an exact perspective 
a kind of day in, day out, I always think about these are the people that are starting the conversation. It is our responsibility to ensure that's as diverse as possible, because if we don't open that funnel at the very top, how on earth is someone going to be there at the end? And I do think we think a lot about that in our conversations, whether someone uses a recruiter or not, it is just having more conversations. And I know that's one of the things, maybe even in 2021, 2022, when speed to market was essential, we almost started to lose a little bit of that perspective where we said, oh, we're just going to hire who we know. And I think we've seen that on the flip side is like, well, maybe it would have been beneficial, right, to have that broad range of conversations to ensure you really did give everyone a fair go. But also, you know, we talk so many times about the benefits of diversity in our organization from an economical financial perspective. And so that's one of the kind of core tenements we use is it's not diversity just for diversity's sake. It's really diversity because that creates the best businesses. Yeah, because it's better. Yeah. Yeah, And, you know, like the, um, I think product, as we said, is really being dominated by males for the most part. Mm -hmm. And and often you're seeing, you know, much more junior kind of age demographic as well. Product seems like a really good space for people of all different areas to pivot Mm -hmm. into because it's such a multi-dimensional kind of skill set that you have to have. do you think that we're probably going to see more diversity just by nature of uh, the type of role and that it's so adaptable from roles like marketing mm. um, and, and other fields? I hope so. <laughs> no, I, think, I think we will. I think we're already seeing like product mm. is an area. I mean, we get asked all the time, how do we get into product? What do we need to do to build our skills? And you get asked that question by everyone, which mm-hmm. I love. Like, Including I love, me. Yeah. <laughs> I love getting to see how it's not just the this is the one path you must follow to get into this career um the reality is it also i think offers the most opportunity like you said for people of many different backgrounds it isn't that sorry i have to have come from xyz this is probably a bit american from the perspective of i went to this university i know these people and now i've gotten into this role yeah I don't think that I see that, A, as much in Australia, but B, I think we're really moving away from that in product to say it's not just about where you've worked and who you've worked for. It is really thinking about the mindset and the ways of working. Yeah. Yeah. And just because of the skill set required, right? Like mm-hmm. high EQ, highly organized, very driven. Like those are all kind of skill sets that are adaptable from lots of different areas. Yeah. Um, and the technical acumen can build over time. So. Do you see a lot of companies taking risks around technical acumen in favor for kind of more soft skills? Yeah, definitely. I had a meeting with somebody earlier this week that um, he was an engineering leader and he said he doesn't necessarily mind what tech staff his engineers have used as long as they've sort of got that curiosity and uh, yeah, just passionate about the business, eager to learn. That's actually what he looks at rather than, you know, technology experience. So I imagine it would be the same in, in most product people as well. Mm. Yeah. And I do think, again, it, it depends on the organization. I know we've chatted about an Atlassian, they need to have an engineering background, right? Like I think when you're working on very technical products, they still have a very strong requirement. But the counterbalance being, if you have a really strong engineering team, and that's just where we're seeing some of that conversation on the other side, and it's great working with our peers here to say, like, what's the conversation happening in engineering as we look for more product led or product engineers, that increase in that business and commercial EQ from 
the engineering side then complements the reality that you don't need that same level of technical specificity mm. from the product side. Mm. Yeah, fascinating. Okay. Now, a uh, couple of quick ones for you. Um, what's kind of the, the number? Maybe I'll get it from each of you. Uh, so, Alex, let's start with you. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> what's the, if you had to distill it down to just one piece of advice for someone that's, you know, maybe being made redundant or looking for the next step in their career in the product space, what's one thing that they should do today? Do you mean in terms of like applying for new roles or just applying for new roles? Like yeah. Be targeted. Get the get the quality of reps. Like I said, I'd rather people do two or three really good applications specific to where they could add value, rather than sending the same CV to seven. You just have a better a better uh, response. Great. And Priya, number one piece of advice. Yeah, it's. I don't think I answered it earlier with from a product scale perspective. Mm. Ruthless prioritization. Mm, I think yeah. that is. <laughs> that's what I look for in product managers, and that's what I look for when you're when you're looking for a new job. I think it's the same. Yeah. I think if you've said this is what my number one thing is, and then you get through that, it's also like that level of accomplishment, right? You mm-hmm. said my number one thing is I've sorted out this is where I want to work, and this is who I want to speak to, and I've gone and done that. That's again my kind of comment earlier was figure out your values. That's what I would put as if I'm prioritizing, that's my number one thing. Get that kind of in alignment and go from there. Great. Now we're going to go into a a speed round of questions, (laughs) but before we do that, is there anything else that we we haven't discussed today that that is important for someone in product to know, or should we jump straight on to the speed round? Um, I I think I'll cover them soon. I know I'm trying to think sometimes you know you get so excited you're like I want the very best right for people to be able to find their way in product but I just know it can be so hard getting that first foot in the door mm. and so that's where I think our commentary around being persistent being patient um but I really think I liked our chat around surrounding yourself with like-minded people mm. that's really valuable and it kind of has given me some food for thought around you know can we create something where there is a place for people to have conversations with each other um mm. i think even on the back of our folklore chat just having that ongoing community that people can just ride in for what's happening and having that connection point i know we're really excited to use our meetup space in a way that is beneficial um, for places around the world so that would be kind of my biggest thing that's great. And so does uh, does the onset have a, a community or a, a meetup space right now? We do. Alex just free to plug it. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, um, we, we just partnered with BrainMates. Uh, we had about 70, 70 people. Um, but there was a lovely panel about how product design and engineering could collaborate to, to add the most customer value. And, uh, yeah, it was brilliant. I think we've got two a week happening in November. <laughs> So yeah, keep your eyes peeled on our for our LinkedIn page. Very cool. Is this uh, remote or in person? They are in person. Mm. In person, uh, Sydney, Melbourne, Sydney. Sydney, great. For any Sydney <laughs> listeners, that's a a call to action. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> We've got our Melbourne space, I think, coming soon. So we'll uh, keep you in the loop, Ben, for when we make it down there. Yeah. <laughs> great. Yes, I'll definitely attend. Um, okay, rapid fire. Uh, I might okay. just bounce between you. So, Priya, okay. I'll start with you. Uh, your riskiest bet, did it pay off or did it fail? <laughs> um, I would say that 
it paid off. Um, I moved to Australia without a job or a plan. And as money expats know, you often come and you think you're going to be here for a good time, not a long time. I think (laughs) I was here for both a good time and a long time. (laughs) Very fortunate to have got married, first child. So it's been wonderful. Incredible. Incredible. And uh, Alex, uh, do you go for the quick money or the long game? I feel like I know the answer to this already, but go ahead. Yeah, thank, thank you for saying that. <laughs> um, that's genuinely the, the reason I joined the onset. Um, I think from the first interview, you could just tell that everybody here um, does really value the long game a hell of a lot more. And, and that's really resonated with me. So but absolutely the long game. Awesome. Um, mm. Priya, are you a workaholic? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to admit what I do. <laughs> oh, you love you. Yeah, see, that's a nicer way to put it. You love what you do. Yeah. <laughs> if you love what you do, it's not work. Oh, no. Exactly. Thank you, Ben. Yeah, she's a lifeaholic. <laughs> yeah. Um, Alex, do you have a best life hack? It doesn't have to be related to product or recruitment. Your number one life hack. Number one life hack. Um, spend as much time as possible outside. Is my life back. That's the same answer uh, Manzai had on on his podcast. Um, he, he said, well, time in nature and beers. So it was oh, like... Yeah. <laughs> beers outside. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's slowly becoming the, uh, like the, the tagline of this podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, Priya, you get the fun one. Uh, Musk or Zach? Who would win in a fight? Honestly, it's a little bit too real of a question. Unfortunately, like I don't want to back him, but I think probably Musk would win. Mm, okay, yeah, I, I would say Musk. Oh. Musk. Are you going for the uh, the heavyweight? Like the wow. yeah, he's just, he's just a big guy. Yeah. <laughs> Petite frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Although Zuck is trained. That's that's the, right. Yeah. And this comes back to the skill or like, I I know, I remember because when there was actually that conversation around them training, it's like, okay, you know, that's kind of working towards it. But I just feel like some of the brute force, like, might, might be in his favor. It just depends on how many rounds. Yeah, (laughs) true. It's a, yeah. How many rounds are we going? Are we doing one or five? Yeah. 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 Uh, Alex. Sorry, we're giving you all the uh, lifestyle ones. Um, do you have an instant burnout cure? Um, it depends on the level of burnout, right? But um, just just going on a holiday. I, I was in a. I had to save up all my annual leave, like you know, Ben, to go back home, and I only had a few days um, last year. Mm. I think I spent like four days in Tasmania, and I came back, and I just felt amazing straight away. So just book a holiday if you are starting to feel really stressed. Incredible. Incredible. I am. Um, I heard this recently mm. around. Not that I loved your four weeks off, but also <laughs> doing one week off more regularly versus two weeks together. Mm. It's actually mm. really good for your just mental well-being. Is that that idea of always having something to look forward to? I can see that. As much as I like, I love working. Yeah. I love what I do. I also love having a holiday, and I yeah. think that idea of knowing I have something to look forward to is super helpful definitely yeah and maybe also rather than letting the pressure build up for so long you kind of break that pattern more regularly yeah Mm -hmm. i think i've already got all the mine booked in for next year yeah uh okay uh 
Priya, what's the one trend product people should pursue in the next year? Look, this is going to be as much as we just talked about everything from a tech perspective, <laughs> not being necessary. Like AI is just the conversation. Um, mm. I don't spend too much time on it, but it is something that even if you're not working for an AI focused organization, AI is going to be everywhere. Like you need to be informed to have the conversation. And so that's the one thing is if you are kind of, you've got free time, you're looking for a job at the moment, I'd invest in really kind of getting into the nitty gritty around AI. Yeah, upskill, time to upskill. Yeah. Uh, and I might give this last question to both of you. Um, Alex, let's start with you. Mm. What is one thing you would tell your younger self? Uh, learn how to code in AI. <laughs> <laughs> learn AI. <laughs> yeah. You would be like, hey, what? Apriya? Um, I think I would have given, I would tell myself to really enjoy the stage that I'm at. I think I am always very excited about what's next and continuously looking ahead, whether it's personally, professionally, but if you look back on the stages that when you were a kid, you're like, oh, life was so good then. Um, mm. That's what I'd say. And I mean, I try to look at now, but that's what I tell my younger self is enjoy the stage that you're in. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Present moment awareness. Yeah. yeah. Love it. That's uh, that's incredible. Thank you guys so much for uh, for taking the time today. Yeah. There has been so much people can take away from this, and I took away heaps too. But I think yeah, just really focusing on community and giving and adding value. You know, being persistent and just grinding through. You'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then also a few key points on you know what to highlight, personal branding and skill sets. So thank you both so much for taking the time aside and for being on the show. Um, any final words? Just thank you so much for inviting us. Very, uh, very flattered to be asked. So thanks. Absolutely. Um, thank you for having us, Ben. And I think final words are also in a doubt. Feel free to reach out to Alex because he's a great psychologist. To work with. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Love it. <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys.